welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. All right, guys, how y'all doing? Woo! All right, well, I just have to be completely upfront with you about age 18. Jesus completely rocked me and changed my life, and I am a changed person. So you need to know, right? And if you probably know this for yourself, when Jesus invites you and gets you in and gets you going, he rattles your bones, right? He expands your perspective, he changes your priorities. And basically what I've figured out over the years is all you gotta do or all you can do is hold on, lean in and testify, amen? So that's what we're gonna do today. Um, Just a little bit on me so you know who's talking to you. This is my amazing husband. Um, We live in Pasadena, California. His name is George. We've been married for about five years now. And um, I'm rocked that I get to live with him and do life with him and serve Jesus with him every day. Um, God has used him to restore things in my life that I didn't even know were broken. Um, And actually, crazy enough, today he is preaching at our home church, so he's not here. (laughs) Um, But about nine months ago, we became a team of three. Boom! Yes! Um, So as you can see, this is my little girl, Thea. She is about nine months old, and her and George have this really, really beautiful, sweet bond um, that just melts my heart. Um, And if any of you all are um, zooming in on that Cleveland Browns onesie, yes. I am from Ohio, all right? Yes, I am a Cleveland sports fan, and that should tell you a few things about the household that Thea is being brought in, like and raised up in. We are a people of prayer and resilience, amen? (laughs) If you know nothing about Cleveland or nothing about sports, all you need to know is that it's rough, all right? (laughs) And tomorrow's Monday Night Football, so pray for us. (laughs) So this is usually where I tell you all to buckle up, because I tend to come in hot. But I've been listening to your podcasts, I've, I've heard the sermon series. I mean, come on, present, future, church? What? Like, what do we wanna be right now so that our kids can inherit the church that we want them to have, that's healthy, that's thriving, that's like literally healing people, the kingdom right here on earth, amen? Come on, yes. So I'm an amener, so you just get those hands going. Come on, all right? So, I mean, I might be coming in hot, but I'm here to fan your flame of what God is doing in your hearts and in your city and in this world right now. And like I said, at 18, man, Jesus sideswiped me. He came into my life and I did not see him coming and he was nothing that I thought he was. Do you know what I'm saying? A fiery female showed up in my college and she started preaching. Yes, I was at a Christian school. No, I was not a Christian. I was on a running scholarship, minding my own business, thinking that I was cool. And I was in an audience of hundreds, right? and she was speaking straight to my soul. It was an audience of one that day, and she invited me to pray these three dangerous prayers. Lord, open our eyes to see the world as you see it. Break our hearts with what breaks yours, and empty us of all but love. And then she challenged me to open up the Gospels and read them again, asking, Jesus, show me who you really are. So, as we dig in to the Gospel of John this morning, chapter 14, can we pray those prayers together? Jesus, we gather here seeking your face. Open our eyes to see the world as you see it. 
Break our hearts with what breaks yours and empty us of all but love. Lord, as we read your words today, Jesus, show us who you really are. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, y'all, so you can open up uh, to John 14, verses one to seven, or you can turn on your John 14, whatever your deal is, or we've got John 14 right up here. Again, verses one to seven. We're just gonna sit in this text this morning. These are Jesus's words, right? Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Hear that this morning, church. Don't be troubled. Trust God. Trust also in me. My Father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, I would have told you that. Why would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. You know the way to the place I'm going. And then good old Thomas chimes up. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How would we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really have known me, you will know, you will also know the Father. And from now on, you know him and you've seen him. This is the word of the Lord. So context here, right? We always need a little context. So rewind, stuff is going down, y'all. Like literally the Last Supper is being digested, the feet have been washed, Jesus is sitting with his boys and he's trying to tell them, right, that he's got this handled. And usually, typically, when we read this passage, we read it as a heaven passage, right? I am preparing a place for you, the Father's house. That's all very, very true, right? But I, like, it's not just this golden ticket passage. We might hear Psalm 23 in, in, in the essence of this, right? Surely goodness and mercy shall dwell, or surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will in the house of the Lord forever, right? That echoes through this text. And a lot of people say, boom, heaven text. I am going to heaven, right? Amen. Way, truth, and life. But I actually think that there's a lot more to it than that. Jesus is saying, you know the way. And Thomas is like, uh, no, don't think we do. And Jesus is saying, I am the way. Personally, I really don't think that this is an exit strategy text. I think there's more to it. I think it's an invitation in this moment. If you think about it, Jesus is always inviting us to do what? Follow him, follow me. And he's saying, I am the way. I think he's saying, get on the way. I think this order actually matters. Get on the way so truth can be revealed and lives can be transformed, amen? And let's be clear, I do not think at all that this is an invitation for us to join a church with four walls. I don't think that's what he's actually saying. I think he's ushering us in, inviting us in to a kingdom community that is on the move, amen? amen. And it's crazy, right? Because the early church wasn't actually called a church. Thank you to my husband who studied Greek. Because in the Greek, it, those people, they were called or referred to as hahadas, the way, right? People of the way. Which leads me to this question. 
Is Christianity about how we take earth to heaven? Or is it a story of how heaven is in the process of coming to earth? Do we get so caught up in knowing the truth and having the right answers and desiring to be living the life, I mean, whatever that is, that we completely miss the way? And we can't miss this, y'all, because the disciples were missing it. Right here, in the text, they want to know all the answers. They keep on striving after the truth, and they're not seeing Jesus for who he truly is right in front of them. If you look at verses seven and eight from Thomas to Philip, Jesus is saying, haven't you seen me? If you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But we can't deny, man, that there's something particular, peculiar about Jesus. There's something peculiar in the way that Jesus gets near to men and he touched them. How he laid his hands on the sick, how he took little children in his arms and he blessed them. There's something peculiar about that. How he put his, his fingers on the eyes of the blind and he touched the lepers. Are we not to get near to people as far possible to get associated with their thinking and their feeling with their need that we may pour the life-giving streams of heaven into their souls? Are we not to get near Jesus? And when I think about Jesus on the way, I'm gonna be honest, I tend to get all caught up in the miracles, right? We focus on the, the lame that walk and the blind that see, but I'm beginning to believe that the miracle isn't in the healing, that the miracle is in the seeing. When Jesus heals someone physically, right? There's a physical affliction and he heals it. I don't think he sees that first. I think he sees that human, that person, and he's freeing his brother and sister, amen? He's freeing them. The miracle isn't in the physical healing. It's the miracle is in the seeing, being seen and being known. Have you ever had someone like that in your life that sees you, that chooses you, that defends you, that's got your back, that believes in you? That's life altering. That's like the marrow of life, amen? And Jesus says, I am the way. And when you really think about this, if you were to close your eyes, and you can do it right now if you want, if you close your eyes and you picture Jesus on the way, I'm talking Emmanuel, God with us, on the way, what is Jesus doing? He's encountering people out on the dusty roads, in the day-to-day -day life, in the middle of the grind, in the middle of the junk, man. He's right there on the way next to you. And he is affirming the foundational truth of the people that he encounters, that they bear the image of God. These are the things that we know, y'all. But do we believe Genesis? Do we believe let us make them in our image, male and female in our image, right? That we were made, we were all made in the image of God. Psalm 139 says, 
fearfully and wonderfully made. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. How crazy is that? That should make you nervous even. But do we see God in each other? Do we see that fearfully and wonderfully in each other? Do you see it in yourself? So this is gonna sound really bizarre, but the story of the hemorrhaging woman fascinates me. I know, weird, right? But this woman, right? This woman has been bleeding for 12 years. Can you imagine that? I can't right now in 2019 with all the hygiene products that we have and all the medicine that we have, bleeding for 12 years, let alone living in the first century in this condition. Friends, she has seen doctor after doctor hoping to be cured. And now, nine years later, she is worse than when she started. Nine or 12 years later, she is worse off. She's broken, she's ostracized. I mean, can you imagine that in your day-to-day life? The depression, the loneliness, the insecurity, the hopelessness. And then Jesus comes to town. And she presses through the crowds just to touch the hem of his robe. And in that moment, she is healed. And Jesus could have kept going. Jesus was on the way. He had things to do, right? But in that moment, he just didn't heal her and leave. He stopped. Jesus stopped in that moment. Not to embarrass her, not to shame her, which y'all would have been culturally not even appropriate, but culturally expected. He stops and he sees her. As Father Richard Rohr would say, he affirms her inherent dignity that is objective and from the beginning. Amen? And in that moment, in front of everyone and everything, he invites others. This is it, y'all. He invites others to see her as he sees her, as his sister, who carries his father's image. He affirms her inherent dignity and he restores her broken circumstances. And in restoring her broken circumstances in that moment, it's not just her physical healing, y'all. It's the restoration of the community, amen? She has a place. She is seen. She is known. She is chosen. She is welcomed into that space. And by her being restored, let's make no mistake, that whole community is transformed, amen? He's pressing reset on all their cultural and societal norms and values. When we get on the way, truth is revealed and lives are transformed. But this is where it gets dicey, y'all. Because we gotta ask the question, right? When we see stories like this, when we hear stories like this, if it's true for that woman, 12 years of bleeding, if it's true that he affirms 
and sees her infinite value and her inherent dignity. Is that true for me and you? Do we, do you claim the truth, the truth that Jesus sees you, the true you, God in you? And can you hear him saying, I see you, I know you, I choose you. Again and again and again and again and again and again. How many times did, did Jesus deny, or how many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did he ask, do you love me? He will keep coming after you, sucker. Because the miracle isn't in the healing. The miracle is in the seeing. And when we get on the way, I'm talking, Jesus, give me your eyes to see the world as you see it. Get me on the way, Jesus. Truth is revealed and lives are transformed. And let's be honest, y'all, good, bad, or indifferent, once you see something, you can't unsee it, amen? So I told you, that Jesus sideswiped me when I was 18. And I didn't see him coming. But he did it again about five years ago. And he did it through my sponsored child, Maureen. The whole sponsorship relationship with Maureen started um, because she actually shares a birthday with my husband, who P.S. I was just dating at the time. So maybe that was more of a commitment than I really was thinking about. But I mean, her little face, you know, I just, I saw the birthday, I saw the face and I went for it and I had just heard about child sponsorship through World Vision and $39 a month and how it radically changes kids' lives and it builds up strong communities. And in that moment, I thought, I can figure out 39 bucks a month. Like, let's do it, right? So fast forward in 2014, I actually got the unbelievable privilege to go to Bartabwa, Kenya and meet Maureen and her mother Esther face to face. And guys, I'm not gonna lie, as we traveled for hours, hours, planes, trains, and automobiles, right? From Nairobi to Eldoret, from the main roads to the dusty roads to no stinking roads, jostling back and forth in a Toyota Land Cruiser, trying not to lose my cookies, to be honest. I was preparing my heart for brokenness. I mean, abject poverty, I was preparing myself because after running with Team World Vision, you can't unsee what you've seen. You can't forget what you know, right? And I knew that 50% of kids in Maureen's community, 50% weren't living to the age of five. So what did that mean if Maureen was seven? That she knows kids, that her friends have died from diarrhea. That's her reality, right? I couldn't unsee that. I can't unknow that and preparing my heart for what that could look like. And that in all reality, nearly every person I was going to encounter or come in contact with had most likely tragically lost a loved one to any number of solvable, solvable problems. I'm telling you, man, I put my game face on and I was ready for the brokenness and I was ready for the sadness and I was even preparing myself for utter deep frustration and anger. I was ready in that Land Cruiser, y'all. And this is what I encountered. 
pure joy, pure silliness, fullness of life that I didn't even have before this encounter. Look at that girl. These kids are just like our kids. They will steal your phone. They will take hundreds of selfies. <laughs> hundreds. I still have hundreds on my phone right now of her singing and dancing. We can pull them out. I will show you. And I will be kind of that proud mama with her. This is my Maureen right up in the front with the puffy cheeks. And then her best friend Maureen, her BFF Maureen, is right next to me in the back. And this was like all day long, y'all. They were so fun. And if you see this next clip, man, for hours, I was chasing them back and forth and back and forth across this open field. Hopefully that will pop up and play. There's this video. And literally, I was a hot mess trying to keep up with these kids. And I will tell you too, if you look closely, they're cheaters. They fall started every time. But if you look at this, I mean, so much joy. And look at the form, dude, like look at that form. And you, you can't really, like over on the side here, Esther is over there, belly laughing. Such a proud mama, having so much fun watching her kids have fun. I came ready for brokenness and I found joy. I came looking to see and restore and Maureen saw me. She was so proud to be in relationship with me. Look at her hands over her heart. She wasn't looking for me to bring her things and Esther wasn't looking for me to solve all of her problems. They were thrilled that God heard their prayer and brought people who cared and who would walk with them in life, out on the way, amen? Esther told me in that open field that afternoon that my presence World Vision's presence in Bartabwa brings them hope, and they know that they're not alone. Isn't that what we all want? To be seen, to be known. And while, vi while World Vision, right, was helping to provide these spaces for kids to be safe and have fun and run and thrive, behind the scenes, y'all, they're doing it through creating space for one, in uh, like, affirming that inherent dignity, affirming the dignity for vulnerable voices to be heard and for circumstances to be restored. Now, side note, this is a little tangent, but a couple years ago, my buddy Rusty challenged all of us at World Vision to never use the saying, a voice for the voiceless ever again. And while it's well-intended, like I really thought about it, this is well-intended, right? It's flat out wrong. Maureen has a voice. Esther has a strong voice. They just need our microphone. And we've learned this because we got on the way with them, with our brothers and sisters. So in this moment, will you just join us in this very small but profound shift? Because it is amazing, guys being in the field, seeing our brothers and sisters work, it is amazing to see how much time World Vision staff spends just listening and empowering the vulnerable. Before World Vision begins any project in a community, they first just sit down to understand the vision, the hopes, and the dreams of the leaders of that community that were there long before World Vision ever showed up, amen? And on that trip, we visited an elementary school 
and elementary school were World Vision partners. And the chief of the area, this is the chief of the area. I mean, who knew that Kenyan chiefs wore super cool Hawaiian shirts, right? <laughs> Not me, man. This chief is standing up, praising the teachers and the principals for overcoming cultural norms and educating children and families about the dangers associated with female genital mutilation. This is an elementary school, y'all, and this chief is standing up declaring truth and championing the value and worth of girls. He's looking death straight in the eye and he's claiming life. Kids can't go to school if they're carrying water. Girls can't go to school and girls can't stay in school unless harmful cultural practices are addressed. And this man was beaming with pride because of the progress of his people. And y'all, if you were to visit Bartabua, Kenya today, you would find a 13-year-old Maureen, 13, who is top of her class and she wants to be a pilot, y'all. She's tracing those dreams. And while I signed up to sponsor Maureen to affirm her inherent dignity and to restore her circumstances, God has also been restoring me. The first time I met Maureen, she grabbed my hand and she put it in hers. And in that moment, I knew that Maureen chose me. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it changed my life. Because there's no such thing as other people's children. When we see poverty, we tend to see a problem. But when God sees poverty, he sees his children, his sons and his daughters for whom he died. And God has used Maureen to open up my eyes. I mean, let the scales fall off. She has given me new perspective and new priorities. See, life is not about acquisition. It is not about accumulation, even education. Man, we are educated beyond our own obedience. And the reality is there is always someone on the other side of your obedience. And God is inviting us to participate in his kingdom on the way. And that's why George and I named Thea, Thea Maureen. God has used Maureen to open up our eyes to see the world as he sees it, as family. Thea and Maureen, they aren't strangers. They share the same name because they bear the same image, because they come from the same creator. We're kin. Broken circumstances are restored. Inherent dignity is infirmed lives and communities transformed. And friends, today, this morning, 
the love of God that calls us to restore circumstances and affirm dignity is now calling Garden Church to get on the way with our brothers and sisters in Baba, Ecuador. And if you see this map, pops up, Ecuador is a coastal country in South America, and that is Baba right there. And if you zoom in, Baba, is in the southwest area of the Los Rios province of Ecuador, right there. It's in its second year of partnership with World Vision. It's a baby community that's growing, that's getting its feet. We are building trust and partnership right now, and the community is identifying their needs and their resources, and this is the deep work, friends, of getting on the way, amen? Every community, yours, mine, Baba's, Every community has strengths and weaknesses, right? And World Vision, just to be clear, partners with the most vulnerable communities because we believe that every child, no matter their circumstances, deserves a shot at the fullness of life, amen? And in Baba, right now, child protection is a major issue. Issues of sexual violence and abuse against children are at the forefront of their needs. And Baba is a community, man, of strong, powerful, faithful families who love their kids, who want their kids to be safe and strong and protected. And they just need someone to get on the way with them. And right now, there are 1,168 kids waiting for sponsors in Baba. Garden Church today, each and every one of you has the chance to play a small but massively important part in helping the children of Baba who desperately need our help. Today, Garden, I am asking you boldly, each and every one of you to become a child sponsor, to step up and say yes to sponsoring one of hundreds one of thousands of kids in this community who just like Maureen are desperately waiting for a sponsor to restore their circumstances and affirm their dignity. And now for years, the way that World Vision has partnered with churches all over the US is by connecting a church, right, to a community in need through asking someone, each and every person at the church, to choose a child. Right, and typically you would walk out of these doors and you'd see a huge display with twine and clothespins and kiddos, right? And the display would all be there and you would get to choose your sponsored child. But last year, last year we started praying these crazy big prayers at World Vision. I mean, big prayers that God would not let us rest in this broken world, that God would continue to push us into new ways to get on the way with him, to better and better serve our vulnerable children around the world. And a few months ago, man, he birthed this crazy idea that has turned our whole world upside down. I'm talking 70 years of existence upside down. He led us to ask the question, what else could we do to affirm the inherent dignity of these kids from the very first step of their relationship with their sponsor? What would it look like if for the very first time ever, they instead were empowered to choose us? Yeah, the power to choose in a child's hand. This is cool, huh? 
I was uh, I met had this meeting um, with Lindsay and Don and team the Team World Vision that's putting this on, and I had to sign all these non-disclosure agreements because they're doing this secret meeting, which is what we're learning about today. And it was interesting because I was in this meeting and they were having to pitch me. Like I, I'm not used to this, where like people are like trying to you know butter you up to tell you they want something. And I was kind of heartbroken in that moment because I was like, no, we're obviously in. Like, this is not a question. The garden's going to do this. We should be pitching you. Like, shouldn't it be that the church has a long list of people waiting for children to get needs? Like, they should be the other way around. But why are we having to pitch the church on what the church is designed to be? Right? So we're, we're partnering with World Vision because we get to partner with World Vision. It's our privilege. It's our luck. It's our blessing today that we get to pioneer this new thing chosen where we give power back to the children to choose who sponsors them. That we get to go to Baba, Ecuador and begin a pioneering work that will last for years to come and be a part of their uh, experience of heaven on earth and by us partnering with them. And we're in the series called Present Future Church. And it's interesting because I've been thinking a lot about what does the church of the future look like and how do we live that now? And my wife, as she was walking to the car after we took our pictures um, and, and uh, she, we took our picture and our, our family sponsoring more kids. And um, she said, Darren, I thought you were going to say something about the Present Future Church, but you didn't say what I thought. I'm like, what did, what did you want me to say? She's like, well, you know, we're talking about the present future church, and by doing this, we're actually empowering the, the future church. And she's like, you need to talk about that. You need to recognize that it's our ability to empower the future church in Ecuador, in Baba, Ecuador, by partnering with them in Long Beach. Oh, that, that's a good point. I'll say that in the second service. <laughs> but for me, what does it mean to be church? This is what we're talking about. What does it mean to be church? And, and, and I think what I'm realizing as I'm getting emails from around the world listening to our podcast, like, talk, like it seems like we're talking about things that are controversial or should be talked about. It's really funny to me because I'm like, all we're doing is talking about scripture. <laughs> like all we're doing is actually saying, yeah, we should do house churches because that's what the scripture commands, like this way of doing church that's different than the American way. But I'm realizing that that's the problem that we're so used to cultural Christianity, which is just Jesus made in our own image. And if we are to be honest with ourselves and and honest as a church, we have to recognize we just need to be church. And I looked, I've been wrestling with this scripture. I I actually got it tattooed on my arm um, and and a new tattoo because I feel like God's put things on my heart. The first one was, uh, whatever you do for the least of these, you did for me. When I was 30, I felt like the Lord said, this is what you need to remember because you keep forgetting. But then this new one came from this study of Paul I've been doing. I read N.T. Wright's prolific work on Paul. And, and, and he, he talks about, Paul has this story in Galatians. And it really trips me out. And here's what it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize it. But um, the Apostle Paul is the reason we are all here as, as Gentiles. Right? So one guy who was a Pharisee, a, a very Jewish Jew, became Christian. And then he gets this personal revelation with Jesus and he becomes an apostle to the Gentiles. He makes it his mission to travel the world telling people about this Jew who died and raised from the dead. And he went around the Roman Empire getting persecuted, getting beaten, starving, working, um, making tents, like traveling, proclaiming, preaching, healing, doing the things of Jesus. And he has this message. We have the Bible, the, the New Testament, these letters because of him. We have the theology because of him. We have Romans and, and, and Ephesians 
Ephesians and Timothy and all these letters. And this is the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest thinkers that have shaped the Western world. Scholars around the world say he's some, like his maybe 75 pages of work have been reinterpreted for, in thousands and thousands and thousands of books for 2,000 years. It's Paul. Like, this is amazing. And he tells a story in Galatians, and he's an early church planner, that he goes to meet the apostles, Peter and John and, and James, the leaders of the church. And in Galatians, he said, I brought my message to them, and they didn't add anything to it. Like, he met with guys that were with Jesus in the flesh, watched him, saw his, his hands, you know, stuck their fingers in his holes after his resurrection in his hands. And they don't add anything to his message except this. Remember the poor. So Paul travels around the world proclaiming the resurrected Messiah, remembering the poor. And in our age of technology, of prosperity and advancement in the Western world, in our age where spirituality looks like Instagram posts, check-ins, apps. The next book that's similar to self-help, The Practicing the Way of Jesus, which we teach here, that looks very similar to self-help focuses for many of us because it's individually tailored to our consumer-oriented, picking and choosing what works for us in the moment, way of life. I don't mean to be harsh. I'm just calling it for what it is. But in our era of self-absorbed spirituality, perhaps Galatians chapter two has a great insight for us to remember the poor. Paul went around to Corinth reminding Christians 800 miles away from Jerusalem that there's a severe famine, severe famine and persecution and poverty in Jerusalem. The birthplace of this movement of Christianity from Jerusalem and Galilee has brothers and sisters around the world that needs your support. He goes to Macedonia and he tells a story in Corinth about this church in Macedonia who they themselves are in extreme poverty. But they heard about this collection, this money being given to Jerusalem, and they wanted in on the offering, even though they were extremely poor. And Paul says, despite their extreme poverty, something miraculously happened. Abundant generosity was given to be a part of the collection of the Lord's people. Remember the poor. In Ephesus, everywhere he went, he went collecting, supporting those who needed help. And that's the church. You see, the church from its inception always remembered those in need. The church was the one that started orphanages. The church was the one that started hospitals. The church is the one throughout history that ended slavery and slave trade. The church has always been the forefront of caring for the people around the world because we know we are all made in God's image. So for us, it should not be a long a video that inspires us. It should simply be, this is who we are, church. Be who you are. So I want to invite you to just be church. And I'm not asking the garden to be generous because you are generous. Our church is extremely generous. The amount of things that we do surprise me every week. The amount of money that's given, the amount of unattached gifts that you give to people in the community because they, they need it is incredible. House churches caring for people. Over and over again, you have shown extraordinary generosity. But I don't want generosity today. I want sacrifice. Because the context for miraculous is sacrifice. You will never see the impossible in your life unless you step out and risk the uncomfortable, the safe, and the unknown. The context for the miraculous is sacrifice. All throughout scripture we see this. So if I want to see a miracle today, 
I want to see uh, a seed planted in your life that will produce a hundredfold. You see, I, I believe that. Paul talks about this. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. I've experienced this in my life. My wife and I have experienced putting everything on the table and saying, all right, God, we give this to you, not knowing the outcomes. And we have watched him over abundantly provide financially in our lives. It is miraculous. Even this year, this 2019, we have seen a hundredfold miracle in our life. And I don't have permission yet to share that story, but I can't wait to tell you that story. It's crazy. I know, I want to say that today. Some of you need to step out and sacrifice. And I think there are people here that $39 a month is a lot of money. And it is a lot of money. Because look at what can, it can do in Ecuador. It can support holistic transformation for a child, for their education, their food, their safety. The fact that their number one issue is child safety is crazy to me. That should not be a thing in our world, but it is. Let's ensure that heaven comes to Baba Ecuador through our partnership. I want you to plant seeds and I want you to sacrifice. Some of you, 39 is a lot. Let me tell you, there's this thing that we practice as a family. It's been a few months since we've done it and I was reminded. My wife and I, we talked about how do we connect with the global poor? Because we have friends in India that are, live off a dollar a day. And we decided that every Wednesday, our family meal would be beans and rice. And the money we would spend, and we'd fast, her and I would fast, not our kids. We can't let a two-year-old fast. That's not okay. <laughs> you got to learn spiritual discipline. But we, we, we took the money that we'd spend for that meal and we give it to our friends in need. So we just, every week, we practice fasting as standing in solidarity with the poor. So if you don't have enough, maybe give up a meal because you have more than enough in the States to support our brothers and sisters over there. So I want to invite Lindsay up. She's going to tell us all the details, but here's what we're going to do. In just a few moments, we're going to dismiss you as our spiritual response this, this, uh, this morning um, to go out and to, um, to do something courageous. I do want to say this, because I just got the text, all right? So first service, um, over f- uh, about 50% of the attendants responded, which is, I think, the largest response or something like that in a gathering we've, that World Vision has had. The normal, like a really good normal response is 10%. Um, so it was 50% of our congregation in the first service. I would love for you to do better than 50%. So there you go. So I'll there, pray after. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> Take it away. So friends, <laughs> we just want to come back to the fact that we all want to be chosen. Amen. That's the truth. Everybody wants to be chosen and deep within us we have this desire to be seen, to be loved, to be chosen. And you can do that for a kid. You can give them the power to choose you. But right now I want you to know God sees you. If you hear nothing else today, God sees you, God loves you, and God chooses you. But he calls you and he commissions you to go and share that love with everyone else because in the end, it's not just about you. It's about you and the kingdom. You get to be a part of all of this too. So what we're gonna do, guys, what we're gonna do is you're gonna go outside and you're gonna take the most stinking epic picture you've ever taken in your life. All right? Yeah. And it starts with your phone. So get it out right now. Pull your phones out right now. Pull it out. For real. Put them up in the air. That's right. In church, we are asking you. That's right. And you are going to text 56170. You're going to type in that number and you're going to text the word garden to 56170. 
And when you got it, throw it up in the air and wave it like you just don't care. So, right? That's right. I see some. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that phone. Come on. All right, come on. Get them up. Get them up. Where are you All at, right, section? Get them up. Get them up. Get them up. You guys are sleeping back All there. Right. Come on. So when you get that, there's a link. Okay? So you have to click the link and you're going to get in the line. And as you're in the line, which I'm telling you is like speedy, crazy fast, you're going to click the link and you're going to fill out your info and it's going to give you a QR code so that you can go out to a photo booth and take a picture. So you can grab your family, you can do it as friends, you can do it as a house church, yeah. whatever you want, you can take that photo together. And if you're saying, Lindsay, but I want my whole family in it and they're not here today, you can upload a photo or you can take a selfie, all right? Either one, but you're gonna take your phone, you're gonna plug in that information, you're gonna get in line. And if you need any help, there are folks with chosen shirts on that are from the garden and from World Vision and we're here to help you every step of the way, ask, answer questions, the whole thing. But here's the really cool part that Darren's got to mention. Oh yeah, this is what I was going to say. Okay. What's happening? Yeah, okay, so you're going to go outside and take a bit. We're hoping to have 400 kids sponsored between uh, this service or uh, between both services. So what I would love to see is for 400 kids to be sponsored because what happens, and if you don't have your family here to take the picture, do it to the, today by 11 p.m. Because once you sign up and put in your credit card info and you commit to sign, uh, supporting a kid for $39 a month, um, what's going to happen is tomorrow morning, Christy and I are hopping on a plane to Baba, Ecuador tomorrow morning. We're, we're going to be there on Wednesday to witness and watch the choosing party where our, I bring all of your photos to these kids and they get to choose you. And then next Sunday, be here next Sunday because we will have photos of those kids choosing your picture and you will have an envelope next Sunday with your picture and your, your child who chose you. How amazing is that? So let me pray. Download the app. Fill out your information in line. Don't, don't, just, don't just text a thing. Fill out your information, sign up, and then go take a picture. But let me pray for us and then you can, oh, let's stand. Um, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed to go. Let's go do this. Father, I thank you, Jesus, for World Vision. I thank you for their, their heart to reach and care and restore and reconcile some of the most vulnerable places on earth. We pray favor in this endeavor as they, they change the model that's been established for years. I pray that they would experience abundant provision for children around the world and that you would continue to, to pour favor into the organization. We bless them. We thank you for our friends here and the opportunity to partner with them. Lord, we pray for Baba Ecuador that what happens today would be marked in our lives for years to come, that we would see and experience friendship with this community, um, that Long Beach would be tethered to Baba and it would be a beautiful thing that we see in years to come that the future would be uh, blessed, the future church would be blessed and provided for God, for the kids that we're raising up here and the kids there in Baba Ecuador. We bless you, God, and I bless everyone here. I pray that your, their hearts would be stirred. I pray that Paul, in Paul's words that, God, you would do something in them, that they would be joyful givers and sacrificial givers in the name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. And all God's people said together, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. Go out. They're going to lead worship. Go outside and take a photo. We'll see you guys next week or on third Wednesday. Hi, this is Seth Weiss, the production coordinator at the Garden Church. I wanted to let you know that even if you miss this Sunday, you can still be chosen. Text GARDEN to 56170 and follow the link to get started. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.